The following content has been provided by RWTH Aachen University. All right, so now the base window system also will have some actions. Um, for example, it will have basic operations for all those objects like allocate, deallocate, and stuff like this. Elementary actions like reading, writing events from EQs, uh, filtering events for an application. Of course, those are going to be in the API. It's kind of obvious. Um, so here's a little uh, question. We'll, we'll do a little in-class exercise on, on, uh, based on that in a, in a minute. Um, if we do have to manage several windows, and the base window system now has all these rectangular little areas on the screen that applications asked for because they want to do something with them. And it needs to sort of manage all these resources. It has all these data structures that are floating around. It needs to hold on to them. How is it going to do that? Um, these are typically stored in a tree. And the tree is used because it's a nice mapping. Um, when you make a following assumption, you say a base window system level window that is the child of another base window system level will always be completely, geometrically speaking, inside that other window and belong to the same application. Imagine Word having its big old document window, right, where you, where you can write text in. That actually consists of lots of base window system windows. For example, the, the toolbar at the top of that window will be its own base window system window. Even the in, individual icons in there might be in their own little um, individual base window system windows. And in that example, the icon base window system window that the icon gets drawn into is a child of the toolbar window that is drawn on top of your document window. And that is, in turn, a, a child of your entire document window. Right? So these children in the base window system level uh, window tree will always be attached to their parents and not be able to move independently. They will all be inside, belong to the same application. Okay. And this is useful, first of all, for visibility. If I know that a window uh, is behind another window, I know that all its children are also behind all the children of that other window, right? Because they belong together. They make up that uh, document window, for example. It's also great for event routing. If I get a click somewhere and I need to figure out where did that go, I can first ask which parent window got hit here. And then I can dig down and find out, okay, what child window, what, what is the leaf in my tree of windows that actually just got hit. Um, and when I figure out the leafmost sort of window, the, the end of, the, of, a, of a branch of that tree, then I know that's the frontmost smallest window that I should first ask whether it can do anything with that event. Imagine I click on that toolbar button on top of the, uh, the document window in Word. I don't want that event to go to uh, the, the document window, I wanted to go to that toolbar button because the toolbar button probably knows what to do with the click. So I need to first ask him, you know, that toolbar button, can you process that click? And it probably can. It will say, yeah, that means that, you know, the user just pressed, pressed me and, and, and I'll execute my whatever function like save or open a file or something. But if it's a, a different event, let's say it's an event like, um, you know, part of that, that screen was, was, a, was a label, just a piece of text, like the, the window title, and you click on that, that doesn't mean anything to that label. So that little base window system window that contained that text says, somebody clicked on me, uh, I don't know what that means. Then that event gets passed on to its parent. 
because maybe the window that contained that label as part of its uh, stuff knows what to do with the click. Maybe that means drag the window around. Or another example, if you get a keyboard uh, press and that happens at a particular location on the screen while the mouse is at a particular location, um, while your mouse is over a particular button, that might actually have to go to that button as a keyboard shortcut or something. But if it's over something else, it may not be able to process that and then that keyboard press should actually go to the parent window that can do something with it. So in the end, you need to have this kind of like passing on. Who's the next person who can deal with this event if I don't know what to do with it? When we take a uh, look at the uh, resources that are around in the base window system, um, we already said that we're sharing them because sometimes they're scarce, sometimes we need to collaborate on them, we need to work together on them. Uh, we need to keep them consistent while we do that, uh, and we may need to deal with competition about those resources. And this is done using those user lists of objects. Right? You say basically there's a couple people who are using this resource. So for example, if you want to delete it, you've got to check whether all the users have let go of it or whether somebody still needs it. Um, some, you, know, you could have a garbage collection kind of mechanism where you say, hey, as soon as the last uh, user uh, deregisters from it, uh, you throw it away. Or maybe you say the owner can decide when to throw it away. When the owner goes away, all the other users kind of, you know, bad luck, uh, that resource is going away. It depends on what the resource represents and how you want to uh, have it handled. And the uh, overlapping requests that it gets, the base window system gets for these resources, it will typically handle through internal synchronization. And um, you've probably heard about those in maybe operating system classes or even in introductory computer science. Uh, there are me uh, methods like semaphores or monitors or, or message queues that you typically use in, in operating systems and in, in writing code in order to, for example, grant exclusive access to a particular part of your code or to a resource. So uh, to put it simply, let's say you have you know, this, this, this question of um, there's only um, one part, uh, one, uh, what you call it, one uh, graphics context that you can actually physically talk to um, then you know, if, if somebody starts setting that, that graphics context and changing the data in there, nobody else should be allowed to read it while it's being changed. Right? And nobody else should be able to write to it while it, somebody's writing to it either. And you do that with, with little flags at the beginning and the end that block and, and, and release that resource. Um, couple options here for synchronization. Um, this is, this is really bordering on an on operating systems class here. I'm not going to go too deeply in this, but I think it's important to, to, to imagine these things. So let me give you uh, three examples how we can, can do synchronization. Let's assume uh, the base window system is running as a process together with the graphics event library. And so you're talking, you're, 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 you're passing stuff into it. One way you could do this is you could synchronize at the entrance of the base window system. So the base window system is essentially uh, a looped process. And you could say, whenever it gets a request, it will completely do what that request said, and then it will come to the next one. That's kind of the naive, simplest way of doing it. right? So that way, you never get problems with synchronization, because the base window system is just processing one thing at a time. Kind of easy, uh, but there's potential delays. And I'm not making this up. The original um, X window system, for example, worked that way. If you send a drawing command to the X window system, and this was a distributed system that was going across the network, so it could take some time back in the days, um, 
it would completely process that drawing command before it was doing anything else. So if I send it a command to draw a little line, not a big deal. If I send it a command to draw a gigantic circle, even though most of it would get clipped, it might take a long time. And while that was happening, nobody else could do anything on that system, especially no other events were being processed and no other drawings or updatings were happening. So not a great structure because it quickly slows stuff down. Um, what you can also do is you can say, well, I got all these objects I'm uh, working with, so I'm going to actually let applications run in parallel, so I may have different applications running in parallel, and, but if whenever they want to access a particular object, I will have something in place like a, um, like a monitor. Right? So basically saying um, the object here is its own monitor. It basically has a little flag. When, when I start using it, I, set, I check whether that flag is available. If it's available, I block it, and then I use it. At the end of the code, I release that flag again. While that flag is set, anybody else who comes in here with preemptive multitasking, they could, uh, will see, oh, the flag is set. I currently can't use that resource. I have to wait. So it goes back onto, you know, gets stalled, gets, gets uh, rescheduled until I'm done with processing that resource. That's way more efficient because that way these two processes can mostly run in parallel and only if they really need to work on the same, for example, storage location for a color or something, uh, they would actually have to stay apart from each other so that they don't mess up stuff by, by trying to write to it at the same time. You know, if you do, you get all these things like lost updates or, or garbled data because the write was half done and then somebody read it, stuff like this. And this is, of course, more complex but it, uh, and, and introduces some kind of overhead, um, but it is high, highly parallel internally. So this is kind of nice. Um, the other question is, let's say you've got an operating system. And let's say you want to now add a Windows system to that operating system. So the operating system is like Unix, for example. And you say, uh, I want to add my Windows system to that operating system. I want to give it a graphical user interface uh, architecture. What ways could you do this? If you are looking again at the very naive solution, you could say my whole operating system, including the Windows system, is going to be that one process. There's no multitasking in terms of explicit uh, or, or, or um, uh, preemptive multitasking happening. Everything gets processed in, in sequence. Um, early systems worked exactly that way. The Xerox star worked like this. Um, you know, it used... Um, um, an early version of, um, I'm trying to think here, Smalltalk. Um, and Smalltalk was this like single gigantic universe where everything was just one program, basically, one process. There was no multitasking in terms of like, you know, one application pushing the other one off the processor and running there. Uh, the Apple Mac worked like this. That's why a single application could, of course, you know, kill the entire computer if it, if it got hooked up. Uh, Microsoft Windows 3.x worked the same way. And that's why, you know, people a little older than you have enjoyed lots of, you know, hanging Windows. You've seen Microsoft Windows 3? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, right. Oh, okay, okay, right, well. So as a kid, you may have seen this. Um, and that was why these things like to die on you a lot, because one application messing up tore everything down, right? Um, so single address space is not the greatest solution. Um, a much better solution is to sort of move these things apart. So you can put the base Windows system, the one we just talked about, probably along with the graphics event library, into the kernel. 
the kernel is that part of the operating system that if you have a modern multitasking operating system is very small usually and runs at high priority, can't get interrupted and does one thing at a time typically. Um, if you do that, then your applications are all in the user space. They're running, you can, you know, one, you, if you run them, you can kill them, it's not a big deal. Um, the base window system and graphics event library are parts of the kernel in the system address space uh, and each base window system um, runtime library call whenever you want to do something, your application wants to do something that has to do with the base window system, it will basically enter the kernel. This is expensive because entering the kernel means that stuff needs to get swapped out and swapped in, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but it's handled with kernel priority, so it happens very quickly. It doesn't get interrupted. The other thing that's kind of difficult then is if applications want to talk to each other, they actually have to synchronize over data structures that are in the kernel. So it's a little bit expensive, um, but it works. Another way to do this, and this is, for example, how you would see um, X windows running on top of, uh, of Linux, is that the base window system also runs as a user process. So it's actually not part of the operating system. It's grafted on top of that. Um, it loses some privileges that way, but it's user level, um, and it's just a server. It's just running on your computer like, like other server processes, like the print server. Um, and it basically is there for client applications to talk to. Communication happens via inter-process communications. You're sending messages between processes like you do with multiple processes on a computer. Um, and if you do that, then you can basically, you know, you can even terminate the window system and your base window, uh, your, your, your base operating system is still running. Um, if you do that, then you've got a couple options of how you, how you, how you structure it. You could, again, use the single-thread server structure, so your, ba your base window system is a user-level process with just one entry point. Whenever something comes in, it processes it entirely with those problems that I mentioned. Um, you could actually have specialized threads. You could say there's one that handles um, you know, uh, subtasks of one kind, one that handles subtasks of another kind. They run in parallel, and they get synchronized using those monitors that I just mentioned. Or you could even have a multi-server architecture where you have completely different server processes for different tasks. So here, we're basically just threading. So we still have a single process, but in that, in that process, in that address space, we have different threads. And if you go to a multiple server architecture, then you've got entirely different processes with separate address spaces running that do different things. But that gets more expensive because now you need to, again, use IPC, inter-process communication, to talk from one server to the other. And that's mostly what you do, uh, of course, in, in distributed Windows systems. So let's wrap this up. Um, the base window system uses the device and operating system independent abstractions, and it introduces those, um, <coughs> and only makes fairly general assumptions about the OS. It assumes that you can reserve some memory. It assumes that you can run processes and stuff like this, but it doesn't have very specific assumptions. That's one of the reasons why the X window system, for example, um, got ported to all kinds of different operating systems. We could have just made some very general assumptions what it needed, and then it could run on top of it. I do mention the X window system a lot, not because it's you know today's prevalent Windows system, but because it was built at a time where um, it was on the one it is open, so it's open source. You can look at it how it works, and on the other, it was used at a time where a lot of systems needed an, a Windows system to be around. So it's grafted on top and is architecturally very clean and sort of similar to our reference model that we described. It also is distributed, why, that's why it's often used as an example of those kinds of systems. 
The base window system encapsulates and synchronizes resources. That way it ensures security and consistency in the system. It basically, you can imagine it like it has one hardware and it takes all these different apps and it maps all these apps and their requests to one existing hardware. That's sort of the big task of the base window system. It offers the basic API for higher levels. Um, it's compar comparable to our simple reference window system. right? Um, the thing that you are building, that you are making um, in your assignments, uh, is sort of on the same level of abstraction. Right? It can do these elementary operations. Now, if you really enjoy pain, you could write complete applications on that level. Right? You wouldn't technically need anything else, but it would be a lot of pain, I can say for sure. Um, so that's why we're going to see more abstractions, uh, because we haven't talked about where do buttons, menus, icons, uh, masks, where, where, where do all these things come from? You know, the controls that are put around the window, the, the close, maximize, uh, minimize buttons, where are those coming from? So that's why uh, the base window system is only really giving you the, the core essentials. And um, if you move any further, you get to the window manager. So the next lecture, we'll be talking about the window manager. And when you say the base window system does these abstractions and, and sort of pulls stuff out of the um, single hardware and makes it available for every application, the window manager is kind of the user's user interface to the window system. Because, well, there's a, I, I can now draw a window on the screen, but there's nothing that the user can do to drag it around, for example. There's no interface for that. There's no concept for that. Right? If the user wanted to drag a window around, I would have to program that dragging operation into my application and react to those events and drag my, you know, get myself moved around. So that's not very efficient to have every app do that themselves. That's why the window manager provides those, application, uh, those operations at a system-wide level. So for the next, uh, uh, next week, what we're going to be talking about is then the window manager um, and its variations uh, and what it actually does. And we'll talk, start talking about the UI toolkit as well. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.